Welcome to episode 32 of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie, and in this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You never know where it's going to take you with Rochelle Hariri. Welcome to another episode of WebJoy. Today we have Rochelle with us and I'm excited. Rochelle, say hi to our listeners. Hi everyone. Thanks so much for asking me to join your podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you about all things marketing, tech, and uh, being a non-technical in tech. That's really exciting because I think a lot of people on the podcast so far have been pretty technical. We've had couple people, less so recruiters, you know, things like that. But I'm excited to be chatting with someone who's a little bit in a different space that the listeners don't always get to hear from a lot. Yeah, I definitely think I can uh, bring a different perspective to the podcast, especially from the side of the marketer, because obviously in tech product is always first. And then you have all these like services and, and different departments around that support the product. So happy to be joining you from the marketing angle. I guess to get started, if you just want to kind of share who you are, what you do, a brief intro so that everyone kind of knows where we're coming from. Yeah, love it. My name is Rochelle Hariri. I have over 13 years of experience in the digital marketing space. I've worked from anywhere from nonprofit to banking to food and beverage at McDonald's and tech at Shopify. And most recently, I've been consulting as an independent consultant and fractional CMO. So I've been doing this for just over a year and a half. So I work with a lot of different companies in the tech space and also some D2C companies as well with helping them build their brand, build their marketing teams and departments and help them really align on what that vision should be for their company. That's really cool. How did you get involved in that, right? I guess, what's your origin story? What made you think marketing seems cool? I'd like to do that. I grew up watching a lot of 90s movies and there was always like, the advertising exec or like the marketing person who lived in New York and had a really cool, exciting job. And when I grew up, my my father was an entrepreneur. And so I always knew like I wanted to start my own business somehow. I also was really attracted to the creativity of the advertising space and marketing in particular. And so from a very young age, I knew that that's either I was going to go into the marketing field or interior design. And I went marketing. <laughs> so... But hey, never say never. I could always still like transition into design, but that was always like from a young age, I knew that that was sort of the space that I wanted to go in. And that's just what I pursued in university, all throughout university. Once I graduated, it was just written in my DNA almost. Wow, that's really interesting. I love that you had this idea that that's what you wanted to do so early on. I feel like a lot of people kind of stumble around, right? Investigate different things that interest them. It's funny because I have a similar background. Like I pretty much grew up interested in technology and I knew that I wanted to do technology stuff. I didn't necessarily always know what I was going to do, but like I built my own computer following like this book that was telling you how to build a computer at like 12 years old. So I've just always been like, computers are cool and I want to do stuff with computers. (laughs) I love that. I think like, I love hearing people's origin stories too because you hear about like, these influences that you have as a child and how they really impact you as you get older and you mature and you figure out what you want to do in life. And so I love that when you were 12, you made your own computer. That's genius. It's cool to see, right? How those different experiences and things shape us and guide us. And we never necessarily end up where we think we're going to be, right? I mean, no one can look 20 years in the future, 
economies change, technologies change, everything changes. But it's cool to see kind of the paths when we look backward. I actually just saw a tweet today that someone said about a saying that Steve Jobs said, which was essentially like you can never see how all the dots line up ahead of time. You can only go through them and look back and see how the dots aligned to get you where you were today, which is pretty cool. (laughs) I absolutely agree. I think like as you're thinking about your journey through life, like I know we're talking a lot about like tech and careers, but it's a big part of your your life. And I think there needs to be a good balance between what you want to contribute to the world and what you want to work on and how you want to influence and work with people around you and the mark that you leave. And so it's, I like that you're talking about the Steve Jobs, the, the dotted, and maybe because I'm Persian, I've always, uh, my, I guess, sort of like metaphor was, has always been like, you always know that you're weaving, like there's a rug, you <laughs> know, Persian rugs, like you know that there's a rug. You don't know what the design is going to be. You know the output of what you want to create, but the steps that you take, the colors that you use, how you create this thing is going to change as you develop and progress. But in the end, you know, like what the end product would be. Nice. Which I is love that. <laughs> well, and that's cool because oftentimes you look at the back of a rug, right? Which like, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite strands go from here to there so that the same string can be going. Like it doesn't always make as much sense as when you flip the rug over and then you see this beautiful design. So that's really cool. You've been in the same field marketing for a while. You kind of got started in other companies and then you had this shift where you went from being in marketing with companies outside of the tech industry to working with Shopify. How did that shift go for you, right? What differences did you notice in your role? Did it feel the same? Did it feel different? Kind of talk to us what that transition looked like for you. I certainly think that there is that same thread of marketing that goes through. So like once you understand brand positioning, once you understand consumer insights, the psychology of why people buy, how they connect with brands, you can kind of take that and mold it into the different industries that you're in. And so in my experience, I think it was like a a natural launching pad for me while I was at McDonald's because I actually joined the digital team. So I was like the first employee on the digital team. It was me and the head of technology and the head of digital. So it was the perfect branch. We were kind of like this like startup within a very corporate company that had been around like a very successful global billion dollar business. And we were doing things on the digital side. So we were driving digital marketing, the kiosks in the restaurants, launching that app for McDonald's, which you can now order and and do all these great things with. And so that's really what got me to think a little bit differently about how I was approaching marketing and thinking about pursuing a career in tech. Because as a lot of other non-technical people, You often think, well, I want to get into tech. I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in in SaaS products. And I love creating things, but what's my entry point? How do I get in there if I'm not an engineer or, you know, like a UX designer? And so that was kind of the natural progression of my journey as I was on the digital team. We were working on these great projects and products. And it was a great evolution because then, you know, when there was an opportunity at Shopify, I was able to take a lot of that experience I had and move it over to a tech company. That makes a lot of sense, right? Finding things that are in your general area that are connected to you, that you can make these small shifts that then lay the foundation for when you want to make a bigger shift, you have some kind of experience in your career to say, hey, company X, I do have experience with this. And now I'm ready to take that experience to the next level. I love that kind of shift and then, you know, kind of step up type of a move. 
For sure. And also I think like sometimes you need to just do things in your career and try things, whether it's like being on the board of something or being a volunteer or just putting yourself out there and trying things that you like, because you never know where it's going to take you. And it's kind of like we were talking about that journey and that, that, that pattern or the weaving, you got to put yourself out there. And, and even like an example I have is when I um, started working for McDonald's, I had no idea, but previously I was um, heading social media for in Toronto, the Santa Claus parade. And it was just something I was volunteering for because it had been a parade I'd gone through, gone to since I was a kid. And little did I know that actually the head of McDonald's Canada is, was funding the Santa Claus parade. And so there was a big connection there. And then when I joined McDonald's and I was talking to them about this, it was very serendipitous. Certain things happen in your career. You just end up being in different places. And later you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I volunteered or I did that. And it actually helped me get to where I am today. So that's my advice always to anyone is whether you're technical, non-technical, whether you are, you know, in medicine or a different type of field, just putting yourself out there and having experiences and just living life, trying and learning will, will lead you down a really interesting path. Absolutely. That's cool. So you're at McDonald's, right? You are starting to get involved in tech stuff. You move to Shopify. Now, my understanding is Shopify went through a lot of growth while you were there, right? What was it like when you started? What was it like when you left? What was that, those transitions like? And like, what was your position? Does it change over time and stuff? Yeah, so I think I joined Shopify at a really interesting time. I refer to it as like their awkward teenage stage because the company was growing really fast. I think by the time that I left after two and a half years, 90%, like we had this on, the, on our internal systems, it would show you how many people joined after you. And so 90% of the company had joined after me. It had just like exploded. It was so big. There were so many different departments, so many like different projects that were happening at the company. And so I joined at a really interesting time because I think they were still trying to identify the role of marketing within Shopify, within such a product-driven company. How did marketing talk about the product? How did you get people to be excited about entrepreneurship and want to join this movement that, you know, was led by Toby, the CEO. And so there was a lot of growth, a lot of change. And it was interesting for me in particular, because I had come from, you know, about like four and a half years at McDonald's, which was a very process-driven organization, like to the T, McDonald's is exceptional at being an organization that knows, like, in fact, they have um, test kitchens in Chicago, their head office. And so they can model any McDonald's restaurant across the world. Like that is how precise they are. The timing needs to be perfect. And so coming from that environment where there was like so much rigor and process and learning how to navigate and work with different departments and basically just like get shit done to a company like Shopify, which was like process. We don't like process here. That's a taboo word. Like don't talk about that. Was a lot, was a bit of a learning curve for me because I was so used to like a certain type of thinking and flow and, and a work and execution. And so that that took some time to get used to because it was like, wow, literally everything that I have been groomed to learn, to do, and to think is now going out the window. And we're just going to try things and experiment and test. So I think that was like a really interesting learning curve for me, which I really am grateful for that experience because now what I do in tech, it has really enabled me to be flexible, to be agile, and to be ready for anything, especially in the startup world. Like, Things are definitely not process-driven. They're not organized. It's oftentimes chaos. And you're sort of going in there and helping these small businesses or, you know, very well-funded businesses 
get shit done, organize things, have a vision, and then bring it to market. And so that was part of my experience at Shopify is like, it just turned everything upside down in the most incredible way. It's funny that you kind of tied that into what you're doing today, because as you were talking about your experiences at Shopify, my mind kind of started to go there. Like you started at McDonald's, which like you said, was very big and process oriented. And then that transition from there to Shopify was like, okay, now you're going to a smaller company, but now you even work with startups and stuff, which is even smaller and earlier stage than Shopify was when you got involved in that. And so it's like, you've been working your way into smaller and like more chaotic environments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like there's something wrong with me. <laughs> for chaos. But yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, and the interesting thing too is, so I was uh, working for McDonald's Canada. And so McDonald's Canada, I think at the time was only 500 people at the organization in Canada. So going from that and then even to seeing Shopify in its growth stage where it completely scaled so quickly, it was interesting to have the comparison. And even before that, when I was in the finance space, it was a different world as well. Like, interestingly enough, I worked for ING Direct, now Tangerine Bank. And they also were like not a big fan of process. They were sort of the anti-bank. They worked very much like in an agency type model. And so, you know, when I look back in, in these different experiences I have, there's so much learnings that I have from each one of these environments and businesses and how they work. And you're absolutely right. Like having this journey has prepared me now because I am flexible, but I'm still process driven. I like working in chaos, but I'm also very organized. <laughs> so I think that's kind of like the benefit that I bring to the table as I'm working with these founders and these teams is honestly, nothing phases me. So as a marketer, I'm, I'm not shocked. I'm always ready to pivot. And I think these are just great life skills, aside from career skills, life skills. Like you need to be prepared for anything. You need to be flexible, have a good attitude, be strategic, and then plan, like plan ahead, but also be ready to change your plans and pivot. I think that's definitely something to be found there for like everyone, right? And their career is that when you're looking at what's the next company you want to be involved in? What's the next job opportunity you want? Sometimes it's looking and saying, have I done a lot of the same thing, the same size company, the same industry? Like, can you kind of flip that around? Because I actually have been, my journey has been similar to yours in that it's all different types of company, different sizes. Like every job change has put me into a very different environment. I've done literally like, I've been a like two-person co-founder of a company that never got off the ground. I've been in government contracting. I've done design agency work. I've done smallish awesome. startups. And now I'm at Glassdoor, which is obviously a larger tech company. And it's like all of those different environments to your point, teaches you something different. And if you've been in the same industry or the same type of company for a while, like go yeah. with a bigger or smaller company, go in a different industry, um, find a, some way to change it up. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think like one piece of advice, I often um, speak at different universities and I talk to like the marketing students. And one piece of advice I always give them is when you're looking for jobs in the future and trying to build your career, don't just look at the role that you want, because the role can always change, right? Like you can go into a certain job and make it your own and change it and grow and develop. Look at the company and why you want to work for that company. Is it their product? Is it the way they run the company? Are you interested in that particular industry? And I think that's like, that's kind of been my motto of why I've jumped to these different companies is I wanted to learn 
what happens in banking. I wanted to learn the processes. I wanted to learn how they they run successfully. How do they make money? Like obviously, but also like with McDonald's going there. Or when I was in the nonprofit space, I was just interested in learning about these different things. And I think like when you approach your life and your career through a lens of wanting to learn and not, you know, going in there thinking, I know everything, but you're like, no, I'm actually here because this is great. And I want to know what you guys are doing and how I can help. You'll be happier in your jobs as well. And I think that's also why in my career, I've had like most of the companies that I've worked at, I've stayed for like four years is because there was always something to do. There was always more to learn and there was always more that I could contribute. And then it would get to a space where I was like, okay, I think I've done enough here. Like I need to go and explore something else and move on. Uh, So that's always been my advice. So I 100% agree is put yourself out there in situations where you can learn and go to companies where you're interested in, in the leadership vision and what they're trying to accomplish. I love that. That's awesome. So the experiences you've had have all been very different, but the through line is you've stayed in marketing, right? You knew at a young age you wanted to get into marketing. You've stuck with it this long, right? What is it about marketing that kind of keeps you excited, that keeps you in the game and passionate about it? Well, I think like fundamentally marketing is connecting people and brands and businesses. And so when you think about it from that lens, anything that you do in marketing is just a creative element that's added to it. And so I think it's never the same, even as I work with different startups, there is no template. You know, I don't take a template and say, here's how I'm going to do it for you. Here's how I'm going to do it for you. Here's like, it's different for everyone. And I think that's what keeps marketing interesting for me. Just the type of person I am is I like change. I like interesting projects. I like challenges. So marketing, and there's so much change in marketing as well. That's what keeps me going. So for example, you know, years ago, everyone was like, oh, don't use SMS marketing, right? Nobody wants to hear from you on SMS, email. No, social media is a thing. Gotta go to social media. Then at one point it was like, well, you don't own those user relationships with social media. So email is the way to go. Everyone needs to be focused on email. And then more recently now, like we're seeing really low click click rates and open rates of emails. And so it's like, go back to SMS. SMS is like the sexy thing. And so it's always evolving and you're trying to keep on top of the trends. And when I say the trends, it's really just understanding human behavior at the time, right? Like the the common thread through all of this is the people. At one point, everyone was obsessed with social media. Then it was all about like your email subscriptions and what emails you get in your inbox every day. And now it's like, I'm sick of all of these things. If you just text me about your product and you just text me to make sure that my service is good, that's how I prefer to hear from you. And so I think that's another reason why I'm still very interested in marketing. And I think once you understand marketing, how society works, and you can analyze and critique that, it helps you really in anything you do. Like if you start a business, if you shift to another type of function, you can still use these insights to support you. And so for me, it's it's just like, it's ever evolving and you're always trying to keep up with what people want and how they want you to communicate with them. I feel like a lot of people in the tech space, right, aren't as involved mm-hmm. with marketing. And so I feel like a lot of times there can be this perception that like, oh yeah, like marketing is, I don't know, either this cookie cutter formula or it's just about like, throwing ads out there, right? Like, I think a lot of tech people are like, oh, yeah, the marketing people handle the ads, right? So I love that, where really, in essence, it's the same thing that we do on the product side, where it's like, okay, we need to understand our users, what they need, 
from the marketing side, you're understanding our potential users, right? The people we haven't gotten to yet and saying, where are they? How are they communicating? And how do they want to hear from us? Or even like the trial users and how do we get them to come back and actually use us more and stuff. So I love that really at the core essence, it's all about understanding people and how to connect with people. And it's just, are you connecting with them when they're not in the product experience or are you connecting with them when they're in the product experience? And it's just, that's the only major difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I, part of like marketing as well, or maybe it's, you know what, it might just be my view on marketing because I see myself as very much a a generalist. I'm not like just focused on email or just focused on this part of brand or I very much like, and I think this is where I determined I wanted to work with startups is because I'm the type of person who's interested about what's happening in different areas of business and then how marketing flows and supports all those different functions. So for example, even if you're looking at your user onboarding journey, what, what are the different steps? How are they going through the trial? What are, where are the misses? How are you emailing and communicating to them? Where are your blind spots? But then also, like, how's your CSM team and your BDR team working with these people? It's really like at the end of the day, it's it comes down to the core of how you use your expertise or your hard skills or your soft skills to make customers feel good. And also like you, you definitely as marketing need to be partnered with your product team 100% because you need to funnel those insights and have that feedback and that loop with them. So I think there's, there's a, a lot of different interesting facets to marketing in different ways that marketing supports businesses that sometimes... They, they're invisible, right? Like, because you don't have a deck on a certain thing that's happening or you haven't executed. So it's more than just the ads. It's more of like the insights, the changes and the interactions that marketing is creating that not everybody sees or, or recognizes. You know, I guess you've been on this journey where you were you know, in banking and McDonald's and you know, McDonald's, you were doing tech stuff. You've kind of shifted more into the tech realm right now your position, right, is you're offering services and consulting, and you will come on board certain startups as like a part-time chief marketing officer, right? And from my understanding, you primarily gauge with tech startups. Is there, you know, a specific reason you've kind of stayed in the tech space now that you've kind of entered this that has kind of called you or that you like working with in any particular way? I think it's just kind of how I've navigated this journey. I I ended up in the tech space. I also really love the developments and the speed at which tech companies work, right? Like the, the ability to make such frequent updates to the product, to listen to customer feedback in one day, and then have a deployment like two days later with those updated features and insights that you've gathered. So I love that experience. And so that's why I think tech is, is the, the space that I've stayed in. Although I have worked with D2C brands and brands outside of tech, it is an area that I, I also found oftentimes when tech companies are getting started, their funds are limited. And sometimes to be completely honest, they don't need a full-time marketer. They don't need a 10-person marketer team. So what they often need is someone to come in and oversee what's happening in marketing to help create a vision for their marketing to make sure that things are set up and working well, to be an ear or like to, to feed the ear of the founders with like, hey, here's what we're seeing that customers are saying. Here's a few other you know options of how to connect with them. Here's some feedback on your product, et cetera. In those early days, you don't need to hire a marketing CMO salary. You can hire someone that maybe you only need one day a week and they're going to help you move things forward so that you as the founders can just 
focus on your mission of developing the product or getting it into market or completely disrupting an industry. Awesome. No, that's that's really interesting. Do you do you find that a lot of founders are looking for marketing people? Are you having to kind of sell them on the role of marketing in early startups? How does that kind of feel? How's that going? Yeah, I think it's going really well for me. <laughs> so no complaints there. Um, but I think it's it's because oftentimes, you know, when you look at the founder profiles, sometimes you'll have like two technical founders that come together, or you'll have one founder that's technical, one that's really on the user experience and potentially brand. And so oftentimes what they realize they miss is, hey, we're really good at like engineering and building the product. We're really good at making sure the experience is good and making these updates. But what we don't have is someone to translate our product into the market. And we don't know necessarily, like we know why our product is great and why it's needed, but how do we get that message into the masses and get more people interested? And so with that, in that case, that's where a fractional CMO or a fractional head of marketing or whatever you want to call it is great to bring in because they can help eliminate some of these additional thoughts that founders have that they can't necessarily put to pen to paper and figure out, you know, like, I know what I, they, it's usually like, I know my starting point and I know where I want to get to, but I'm just not sure how to go from A to B. And so that's where you can bring in like a fractional role to say, all right, let me work with you. Let me get gather some customer insights, competitive insights. Let's figure out what the right marketing strategy is for you and how to bring this to market. Or if it is to market, then all right, let's make sure we know what the evolution is. Let's make sure all your systems are set up and like those processes that people hate so much. How do we feed that back into the company? That's great, right? You come into a place where they don't necessarily have a lot of clarity. You help provide clarity and then you create some processes to leave behind. So you're kind of like, you just dive into chaos and then you like build processes and and leave processes behind. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, dive into the chaos, accept the chaos and then help them. But another thing too that I find, and this is just anecdotal from my experience is no one has got it figured out, right? Like even, and I think that's where, you know, like there's a coaching element to what I do as well in talking to these founders is there's so much pressure as entrepreneurs and founders that they put on themselves of wanting to be so excellent with what they're doing and wanting to bring a really great product to market. And oftentimes there's a lot of the stress that they carry. And it's nice to have someone come in and say, hey, you know, I've worked with like four other companies you guys are doing great, actually. You know, like you may be really hard on yourselves and hard on your team, but you're doing exceptionally well. Or, you know, like what you're facing, so are other companies, but maybe people just don't talk about it openly. It's behind, you know, like these gates and and not everybody is, is sharing some of the struggles that they're going through. And so I think that's also the benefit of hiring someone and bringing someone on a fractional basis is there's an ear to what's happening in the industry. And it helps to reposition and, and, and help you figure out, you know, is our business doing well? Do we need to pivot? Are we doing great? Are we doing as bad as we think we are? <laughs> and how do we evolve with the industry? Because especially right now in tech, there's so many changes happening. There's so many layoffs going on. And so how do you help these founders who are so focused on their own product to, you know, like open up and see what's happening around them sometimes and grow within, you know, a recession environment? I love that. Definitely that changes things up, right? Having an, a feel for what's going on in the rest of the industry because companies and startups can be very insular because you just have a bunch of people who are there working on that problem, looking at that one thing. So, you know, one of the things we like to do in this podcast is kind of just talk about what brings us joy. So I just had a question on like, what's something that brings you joy? 
I've been actually thinking a lot about this question and I love that you asked this. One thing I've realized brings me a lot of joy outside of, you know, like travel and my dog and things like that is just doing more service, being of service to people, helping people. There's nothing that will, if you're having like the worst day, the shittiest day, I don't know if I'm allowed to say these things on your podcast. That's fine. (laughs) If you can be of service to someone else and help someone else in, in need, even like just like the smallest thing, whether it's meeting someone for a coffee who is graduating from university and completely lost on the direction they should take, or whether it's donating clothes or actually like donating your time, I find that that creates the biggest joy for me outside of, you know, the regular day-to-day things that I do and like having a matcha latte, spending time with my dog and husband. And that's one thing that I, I try to share a lot with my friends as well is like, let's keep each other accountable to being more helpful and of service to other people. It doesn't cost you anything to be helpful or kind, right? It's, it's free and it makes you feel amazing. So that's what brings me joy. Yeah, I love that, right? Different ways people can be of service. It's like, okay, you know, like, are you donating your time in some way? I know a lot of people um, in like the tech Twitter and design Twitter space, like they try to post what they've learned on social media, like for free so that other people can like learn it as well. And maybe you work for a company that does good work. In that way, you kind of almost double dip where it's like, okay, you are getting paid, but you're also having like an impact on the world. So no, I I love that idea of being of service and just kind of reflecting and looking and saying, how have I been able to be of service, right? To the people around me, you know, in family or in community or to the greater world and the environment, right? And all kind of from the small scale all the way up to the big scale. I I love that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's interesting that we were just talking like two minutes ago about companies being really insular and and founders focusing on certain things. And it's kind of like, we do that with ourselves as individuals, right? Like we can be so insular and so focused on success and goals and things that we need to achieve that you often forget to like pause for a second and be like, what am I actually doing to help other people? What have I done this week that's been helpful to anyone other than myself? So I I like to have that reminder of like, what what am I leaving behind? What's my mark? Well, and kind of swinging that back around to the tech industry, I think sometimes we can become insular in our little silos of engineering and product and marketing. And like, that's kind of every time I invite guests onto the podcast, a lot of times, like one of the first questions they ask is like, Oh, how'd you have this idea? Like, why did you want to do this podcast? And I don't always have a really good answer for that other than like, Hey, I I realized there was a lot of negativity and I wanted to spread joy. But I think the other interesting thing that I kind of just realized is I'm trying to help everyone in tech break out of the bubble that they are in, right? If you're an engineer and you don't know anything about what the designers do or think or product managers or marketers, we're all in this together. And by breaking down our silos and having a place where we can all come together and have similar conversations, like helps us understand where each other's at and removes that insularness of what we have individually what we have in our little silo, what we have in our company, like this insularness starts from the individual and then it like slowly spreads outward, but it's always about where we are at and what we're doing and understanding people, whether it's in a different department or in a different culture, like all those different types of things can help us have a more broad view of the world. I don't know. I I love that. That's great. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you because it's at the end of the day, like we're all just people 
on this planet that's like floating into space (laughs) and we're just trying to figure things out. And so exactly like what you're saying, like if you're in engineering or a different function, meet with other people outside of your department and the area of work because we all speak a different language. Like if you're talking to accountants or the finance folks at the company versus the marketers versus the engineers versus the product team, we're all focused on different things. We speak a different language. And so the more you can bridge those gaps and talk to different people, the better understanding you have of number one, what else is happening at the company and what people are working on. You also hear a lot of feedback. Like you may hear feedback from even like your accounting team or your finance team on the product or things that they've heard. But because they're so focused on their area, they don't think that their feedback is of value potentially. And so they don't share it. But there's a lot of interesting nuggets that you can uncover just by having conversations with people. And so I know we're in a remote world. So I always say like, even just having chats like this virtually and just picking someone at random at your company that you're like, hey, I've never talked to you. Like, can we chat for 15 minutes? It helps to really uncover a lot and it actually will make you better at your job. I love that. That's what we had a designer join our team and he set up just like, he was like, hey, can we meet once a month and just chat for, you know, 15, 30 minutes? And I was like, sure. Like no one had done that before. And I've worked in remotely for the last seven years. And I was like, wow, that's the first time someone's just like, hey, let's just get together and chat casually. And so, yeah, I think that makes a huge difference when you can actually get to know people in different departments, in different things. That's awesome. Well, cool. I mean, you know, as we wrap up, we always just as a community, like to support each other. And you know, wanted to hear if there's anything that we can do to support you if you have anything you've been involved in or anything you've worked on that you'd like to share with the community. Right now, I'm actually, as I'm, I'm consulting and, and working as a fractional CMO, I am also working on a skincare brand with a really good friend of mine. And we are both, obviously, we're women of color. We are females in the D2C space. And we are creating a skincare brand called Shell Body. So My only ask for the community is to check out shellbody.com, C-H-E-L-L-E, body.com. Take a look at our product. It's something that we created and launched in the fall, and we've been creating small batches of this product and then selling out every time, which has been great. It is based on ancient Persian beautification rituals and like hammams that they had back in the day. So it's like an exfoliation for your body. It makes your skin so smooth. It feels really good. And our mission is to make skincare no fuss with simple ingredients that you can actually read and you're not questioning what kind of chemicals are in these products (laughs) that actually work. And so that is the journey that we're on, the two of us together. And it's been really fun. So any feedback anyone has, I would love to hear it as well. That's really cool because as soon as you mentioned, right, that it was based on kind of some older traditional ways of doing beautification. Like I was like, oh, that's really cool because most of the time you hear of skincare and different things like that, like you're instantly like, well, what chemicals are going into this? And like, what quote new methodology is someone trying to use? And is it real? You know, like anyone can say, hey, I came up with a new way to do this thing. And if they say, oh yeah, it just takes a year or two and your skin will be like new. It's like, well, you're paying them a year before you know that. So I love that instead you're looking back and you're saying, how have people done that? And how can we take what they've done in the past, meld it with what we know today and like bring that together as a combination? That is really cool. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, and we're, like you said, it's for our product, you don't have to keep using it for a year. Literally the first time you use it, you will see results. We've had people that have tried, it's like an exfoliation mitt and a polishing stone. 
And after they use it, I've had text messages, people messaging me and emailing us and saying this, like so much dry skin came off my body. My skin is so smooth now. This is incredible. And so I think that's another reason why we're really motivated about this is the skincare industry at large, it's a billion dollar industry, like multi-billion dollar industry, but there's nothing that's that immediate where you see results right away, unless you're spending thousands of dollars on lasers and things. And we wanted it to be at an affordable price point where anyone can purchase this product and feel good. And also feel good knowing like I'm not putting a ton of chemicals on my body or doing anything harmful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great. So if anyone is interested in that, go take a look at the website, read what it's about. And yeah. Well, that is pretty much it for today. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us. It's been just a pleasure to chat and get to know you and your journey and hear your thoughts and what brings you joy. I just really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so fun getting to know you these last couple of weeks and then actually having this chat with you today. So I really appreciate it. And I hope that anyone who watches this podcast learns a little bit about how to to work with marketing teams and the value of marketing and the psychology of building products for consumers. Thank you for joining us for episode 32. You never know where it's going to take you with Rochelle Hariri. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website or Twitter at Rochelle Hariri. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Rochelle's website and Twitter in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help others discover it as well. How about giving us a shout out on your favorite social media platform? Tag a friend or coworker that you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to follow us wherever you hang out online or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date. Thank you for listening and have a great day.